What is up, Football Life? We're back, and it's another week. This is Football Life presents the Audible. You're probably watching the show on Tuesday. We're recording a day early because our buddy here, Matt Bushnell, is celebrating another trip around the sun. Matt, happy early birthday, my friend. I hope you're enjoying your day. Oh, thank you, Randy. It is a wonderful day, pre-birthday, the day off. I'm, I'm working tomorrow. You want to know why? I'm a working man. But the future's bright. So I had to put these on today, a little Chicago Bears sunglasses. You know, it, it is a very bright, sunshiny day and ready for the future, my friend. Oh, man. I was wondering what those sunglasses were for. I thought maybe you had a little bit too much to drink in celebration for your birthday, but that 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 is a, a worse reason for those sunglasses, if you ask me. <laughs> oh, come uh, on. <laughs> but Matt... It, even if, even with your excitement for the Bears, you should be excited because we finally made it, Matt. It is week one, baby. We're here. Football is happening. I'm so excited for this. We made it. It's been a long off season, but kickoff Thursday night, Chiefs Texans. We're gonna break that game down in just a little bit. But first, we got some news to talk about here, Matt. We got a lot of it. We're gonna start off with Deshaun Watson getting paid from the Houston Texans, uh, the second highest annual salary for, for a quarterback. He signed for a four-year, $160 million contract. I just want to make sure I have that right, and I do. The 24-year-old is now the second highest, uh, second largest uh, deal in the history of the NFL behind Patrick Mahomes' deal, which we talked about earlier this offseason. Um, you know, to me, he is the second best quarterball. He's the, probably the top five. I think Russell Wilson's better than him at, at the moment, but he's 24 years old. Uh, the, the future is insanely bright for Deshaun Watson. Uh, his numbers speak for themselves. I mean, the fact that he brings Bill O'Brien's ass to the playoffs almost every year is, is enough for me. Um, give me your quick thoughts on Deshaun Watson signing this contract. Perfect sense. Good move. Once they got rid of DeAndre Hopkins because they cited money, I just I, I knew the money had to go somewhere besides David Johnson. You can't live off David Johnson. So Deshaun Watson, well-deserved money. I I worry about it because he doesn't have the talent around him without Hopkins. Will Fuller is going to have to step up big time. Do I got the right Fuller? I think it is Will Fuller. So Yes, you have the right Fuller. Okay. So many Fullers in the league. But, you know, yes. it, it, it's a good move. I like it. So, you know, congratulations to Deshaun Watson. I'm not, he, he's right on that top five fringe. I mean, we broke down some of his flaws earlier during our divisional previews, but the Texans did the right thing here. You can't go into next season without Deshaun Watson being locked up. Yeah, I mean, they got very lucky with Deshaun Watson uh, falling to 12 in the 2017 draft. Um, you know, he had a, he tore his ACL. He's had some injury uh, issues, but you know, in the last three years, he has completed 67% of his passes. He's thrown for 71 touchdowns. Uh, he only had 29 interceptions. Uh, he also rushed for over 1200 yards, uh, you know, and 14 touchdowns. So, I mean, his mobility is obviously a big part of his game. I worry about his health a little bit, but I'm hoping, you know, they added their Tunsil and tried to help out that offensive line last year. So, uh, the addition of Brandon Cooks, kind of under the radar, but I really like that. He's not going to replace DeAndre Hopkins, but at least he's a weapon. Um, if Will Fuller stays healthy, I really like what the Texans could be potentially. But it all goes back to David Johnson for me. <laughs> I don't love the addition with him. I don't love what they with that trade for them. Uh, as long as Bill O'Brien is there, I think he will kind of hold him back, and not even as a coach, because we talked about how Bill O'Brien is a good offensive coach in-game. Uh, my issues are more with his roster construction. So 
Uh, unfortunately, Deshaun Watson is going to be stuck with that. <laughs> but he seems happy. I, look, I don't know if you saw the, any of the interviews of Deshaun Watson. He was so humble. He got, he, he, you know, he started crying when he talked about his contract, and how hard he worked to get to this point. Uh, you know, it's hard not to root for a guy like that. So uh, I'm really, you know, happy with, um, you know, with the, the Texans doing this for him because he's obviously a great guy, and I'm looking forward to seeing what he does in Houston uh, for the next four years. So, um, you know, my, my question is for you, and, I, you know, you're a Bears fan who you root for a team who passed up on Deshaun Watson. Um, but, you know, it's, it's easy just for us to say, yes, it's a good deal and it made sense, but is this deal going to be worth it? And you think this ends up leading to another deal in the long run? The, the deal's worth it. I don't think the Texans are any closer to a Super Bowl. I mean, anytime you have a quarterback, you have a chance. But still, this roster is fatally flawed yeah. in so many areas. Like you said, with Laramie Tunsil, it upgrades the offensive line, but it's still not a great or good offensive line. It's about average. Defensively, J.J. Mm-hmm. Watt's older, which means he's probably going to get injured again. They, they, Their secondary lacks a lot of abilities to shut down other wide receivers. I don't love their linebacking core. So you see the defensive side deteriorating, and then you see the offensive side. You got you know, an AARP running back that you traded DeAndre Hopkins for and you only acquired a second round pick. So there wasn't a lot of value in return for DeAndre. And it just, it it really does feel like the personnel moves are really going to hold this team back from having Deshaun Watson. We we see it a lot of the time when these teams draft these quarterbacks on these rookie deals, they look at their window as four years. We have four years to win a Super Bowl before we have to pay this guy and tear down the roster. Hell, the Texans decided to tear down the roster. Why they had Deshaun Watson. So this, you know, the Javian Clowney trait, he, he he was too good not to still be on the Texans to work out a deal with him. And then you trade DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, it just goes from tomfoolery. He will play out this contract with the Texans, but I don't think there's any guarantee that he will retire a Texan. I, I think that he's probably going to leave after this deal. Yeah, I I love – I mean, I love that they gave him the deal, and he's obviously worth the money, and I think he's earned that. Uh, he's been one of the most exciting players to watch despite his inconsistencies in the last three years. But I, like I said, Bill O'Brien to me is what's going to hold him back and maybe potentially ruin the relationship between franchise and player because, you know, at the end of this deal and he's still throwing to uh, Kiki QT and handing the ball off to David Johnson, he's going to be like, well, what the hell? You know, I, I, I'm, I'm great and I elevate these bums, but it'd be nice to still have DeAndre Hopkins to throw to uh, and have a good pass rush. Um, but you guys are too cheap and too, you know, incompetent to keep that together. So, yeah, and uh, I do think – yeah, go ahead. I was just going to ask, how difficult is – do you think for him it's going to be watching Patrick Mahomes win another two, three Super Bowls? I mean, that's going to be a tough pill to swallow. Yeah, I mean, we talk so much about how situation and when you get drafted into certain things, like it makes you more successful, not even based on your talent. Like, obviously, Patrick Mahomes is insanely talented, but we talk about so much how much he benefits from having Andy Reid and the offensive weapons around him uh, and the great offensive line, like, don't get me wrong. Patrick Mahomes would still probably be great on the Bears or on the Texans, but it certainly elevates him to the God level that he is because he's on the Kansas City Chiefs. How great, even greater would we think of Deshaun Watson if he was on the Chiefs? We'd probably think of the world of him. Um, would he still be, I think Deshaun Watson would still be the same on the Bears ultimately, but 
we don't really know for sure because I think the Bears' offensive talent is similar, especially without Deshaun Watson. But the offensive mind of um, – I forget your coach's name. It's still Matt in my mind. Nagy. But I think he could at least develop – Matt Nagy could do a better job um, with Deshaun Watson even than Bill O'Brien does. But uh, I feel bad for Deshaun Watson in that aspect. He's going to have – I mean, everyone's going to have to watch Patrick Mahomes light up the league. But unfortunately, uh, Deshaun Watson's going to have to do the best with what he has and, you know, hopefully it works out. If the Bears had Deshaun Watson, they would have been in a Super Bowl by now because just with that defense alone, if they could have scored 24 points a game, they, they would have won a lot more games. I mean, look at the Eagles game. It wasn't a high-scoring affair. Mm-hmm. I think it was still in the teens. Uh, you figured Deshaun Watson could yeah. have elevated that offense a little bit more with Allen Robinson, Tariq Cohen, um, and like you said, how they could have deployed those weapons differently, but, you know. Neither here nor there. Yeah, I mean, it's a bizarre world where the Bears have one of these guys and you never really know what would happen at that point. Maybe we get a happier Matt and Felipe uh, in, in football life. Uh, <laughs> but until then, uh, <laughs> let's move on. Uh, Keenan Allen, well, I talked a lot about him saying that it was a robbery that he was not on the NFL Top 100 list. Well, the, the Los Angeles Chargers believe he's a Top 100 player because they gave him top two wide receiver money. Uh, they gave him a four-year, $80 million extension. Uh, it's $50 million guarantee. And that puts him as the second highest paid wide receiver on an annual basis behind Julio Jones and tied with Amari Cooper, Matt. You know, his peers don't even think of him as a top 20 guy at this point. This is a lot of money for a 28-year-old guy who's been in the league for seven years. I hate this deal on so many different levels. Good for Keenan Allen for getting paid. I mean, you, you bitch about it enough. You say you run the best routes in the NFL. Well, I guess the best routes in the NFL, Randy, are worth four years and $80 million. That's what you get if you run the best routes. Who cares if you catch the football? But, man, the Chargers, I, I scratched my head at this deal. Um, I was on the Total Basis podcast this past Sunday. And they asked me a little bit about who I thought the surprise team would be in the AFC. And I thought immediately the first thing that popped in my head was the Broncos because we talked about Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton. And then you subtract Derwin James from that Chargers defense. There is no way the Chargers finish ahead of the Broncos. And Keenan Allen can run those nice crisp routes and have Tyrod Taylor and Justin Herbert underthrow him, overthrow him, whatever. But, man, I just I, I hate this deal on so many levels. It is uh, questionable to me that they decided to give him this much money, um, but this to me screams uh, a loyalty contract. This, he's gonna, this is going to make him a Charger lifer most likely. Uh, he has for his, last year he had over 100 catches for 1,200 yards and six touchdowns, which is nothing to sneeze at. It's a good good season, but it, it, is it like elite number one receiver season? Probably not. Um, I mean, in his career, he's, he's been there for seven years. I'll just say the numbers. He's got 524 catches, which is fifth all-time in franchise history. He's got 6,400 yards, which is sixth all-time in franchise history, and 34 touchdowns, which is top 10 in franchise history in just 86 games, which those aren't, like, greatest of all-time numbers. But I think by the end of his career here with the Chargers, you could see him being top one, two in all of these uh, statistical categories, which – um, if you're looking at this as a, we're going to make Keenan Allen an all-time charger, okay. I don't know if you needed to pay him that much money, but here we are giving Keenan Allen the second most money of any wide receiver in the NFL. Uh, bit of an overpay, if you ask me, Matt. Uh, you know, maybe him and Herbert develop something here in the future that makes us uh, second-guess this thought. 
I, I don't know. I just think it's so dependent on the quarterback position, and I'm not sold on the Chargers quarterbacks. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to, to love that deal. Don't you know, I'm big on don't pay running backs. Uh, I'm also big on don't pay wide receivers when you're kind of in no man's land as a franchise, too. Uh, I, I don't love this idea. You know, I, I think you could have given Keenan Allen a shorter contract uh, or let him walk. You know, I think you're kind of in a rebuilding mode in your, with your quarterback situation. So uh, don't don't you know, no need for this, if you ask me. But got a lot of number 13 jerseys in the in the, in the stands. Well, maybe not with the Chargers games, but uh, <laughs> if there's any, any – if there's any offensive uniforms to own now, now that Philip Rivers is gone, maybe it's number 13. Uh, <laughs> we uh, we started last week's show talking about how Leonard Fournette got released by the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, kind of a surprising move, but uh, he has since found a home, and not to, not to brag, but I believe I called this on the show last week, but the Tampa Bay Buccaneers snagged him up. Mike Evans restructuring his contract to allow him to sign. It is a one-year deal uh, worth, I believe, $4 million. And, uh, you know, the fourth overall pick in the 2017 draft, Tampa had Ronald Jones. They had LaShawn McCoy, but now they seem like they have their bell cow running back. Um, you know, do you think this is like a one running back situation or that he's just going to fit into the, the mix here as a running back by committee in Tampa? Uh, it's going to be a fit in by mix situation. It's definitely by committee. Situational running back situations, what this is going to be. Um, I think this drastically hurts – any fantasy value that Ronald Jones may have had and LaShawn McCoy. Mm -hmm. Fournette's probably going to be the touchdown poacher of all touchdown poachers. So may not be a bad idea to take a late round flyer on Fournette. I I don't think he's in uh, by any means fantasy wise, you draft Fournette in the first eight rounds, you might as well shoot yourself in the foot. He'll get you touchdowns, but there's no yards to be had there. I don't think so. Um, What's crazy is he's still going in the the top four rounds. I mean, people are assuming he is going to be the end-all, be-all in this running game. I mean, Bruce Arians' system alone tells you that he's going to use multitude of running backs. He did it in Arizona until he figured out David Johnson could catch the the football. But this is not – Fournette doesn't catch the football like David Johnson did when he had that one good year. So Arians Mm -hmm. deployed three running backs quite often. I think, if I remember the names right, Chase Williams was one of them, I believe. Um, But it it really is a system that I think is not going to exploit a running back to have top-tier fantasy value. You know, there's also a part of this to me that screams that maybe Tom Brady himself did not love Ronald Jones. Uh, I think that if Ronald Jones had stepped up and been the clear-cut guy. Um, You don't see Leonard Fournette sign this contract. So part of me thinks that the veterans on the team and Arians said that we needed a guy who had more talent, a guy that was a better pass blocker because there's a lot of criticism of Jones on that front. Uh, Leonard Fournette's not going to catch a lot of passes, but guess what? The Bucs have a ton of guys who can catch passes. You don't need your running back uh, to catch passes in the system. I don't think you have a lot of other guys who can run short routes for Brady to dump off to. doesn't necessarily have to be a guy like James White. Um, and I wonder, and this is the thing I wanted to ask you, you know, Leonard Fournette had a good year last year, you know, despite my lack of uh, interest in Fournette in general. Uh, could this be a situation where he's more motivated to play now because he's in a team that can win the Super Bowl and make a run here? And, you know, maybe he does take on the role and is the guy for three downs every, 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 uh, you know, every set. I mean, I, I think that's totally a possibility here. I mean, I want to get your thoughts on that. 
Yeah, I man, the explosion just isn't there, though. I mean, he is poor at reading holes. It could it? I mean, yeah. I mean, it's one of those situations where you take a look at. There's so many offensive weapons. They go single back with Fournette, and you can't put eight in the box like with Jacksonville. I don't think there was much respect for Bortles or Gardner Minshew. So, for, for me with Fournette, football-wise, if we're talking strictly football, take fantasy out of the equation entirely. It's a great move because you do have that power running back that can get you four to five yards every carry depending on the situation and how the defense is lining up. So I don't think it's a terrible move. I will be interested to see how it plays out come like week 10, how many yards he's got, how they deployed him. Because I don't think LaShawn McCoy goes there if Leonard Fournette's the featured back. I, I don't know if, uh, if Shady would have signed there if they had Fournette, that's for sure, because I don't know where LaShawn McCoy fits on this team. Uh, I think between Jones and Fournette, that's going to be the majority of, of the touches, but I, you do need a third back uh, in case of injury. Uh, you know, I think Shady's probably the best pass catching back uh, on, on this roster right now. I think they released a couple of their other um, – Keyshawn Vaughn was a fourth-round pick. I think they just released him. You know, there's it's a large and veteran running back room at this point. But you don't sign a guy with this uh, with this name if you're not interested in using him a lot. So I want to see what his role is, and I want to see how effective he is. I really, regardless of their if their offensive line isn't great or not, you still have two stud tight ends who are great blockers and Gronk and OJ Howard. You know, there's going to be room to run. So you know, hopefully the holes are big enough for Fournette to see them, <laughs> and uh, maybe he'll take the glasses off like you have right now and uh, open his eyes so he can see. Uh, not the only big name to be signed this week or over the weekend. Uh, Jadavion Clowney finds a new home, and it's not now he's not returning to the Seattle Seahawks. The Tennessee Titans, uh, kind of out of nowhere, but they did not hide their interest for Clowney. This is a one-year deal worth up to $15 million, according to ESPN. Uh, it's hard not to love Jadavion Clowney's talent uh, and the impact he's going to have on this team. I think it's – I mean, their defense was already really good, and I think they just got a hell of a lot better. Uh, you know, what do you think of this fit for Tennessee? Great fit makes so many makes makes a lot of sense. I don't know why teams like the Giants weren't in on him. The Jets, you know, it's a guy that fills a need immediately. While he may only had eight sacks a couple years ago, but he still had double digit sacks. He's still explosive. He sets the edge to stop the running game. One of the better ones to do it if you watch him. I mean, Tennessee got a really good player at a really good price. And it just helps this defense. Another weapon for – if anyone knows how to deploy him, it's going to be Mike Vrabel. So just an yeah. awesome move. I, I love it for Tennessee. I, I really like it for Clowney to reestablish his market value after this year. And it just seems like so many teams just missed on this opportunity. I just can't believe it. Yeah, I mean, I'm kicking the Giants right in the, in the rear for this one because, you know, they have zero pass rush. It, it is non-existent. And – this is a guy who could come in and change that right away and potentially elevate the rest of your defensive line and maybe your linebackers and maybe change the whole dynamic of your defense. And they didn't even bother to call. And I mean, the Jets, the same thing. I mean, the Jets should have called this guy when they saw Jamal Adams on the team and tried to put together something special on that unit. And they just didn't do it. So I'm with you on that as well. I've read rumors that, you know, New Orleans was interested. That would have been an interesting pairing, um, with the pass rushers that they already have on their defensive line, uh, Cam, uh, Cam Jordan <laughs> is already really good. And if you pair him with, with uh, 
with Clowney, I mean, that's going to make Brady's life hell immediately in week one. So I, I, that would have been a hell of a pairing. I think they tried really hard to get make a sign and trade work, and that didn't end up working out for them. But there are so many teams that could have used the pass rusher, and Tennessee's defense was already great. And, you know, now they're – I mean, they, they are going to be one of the best defenses in the league, and they're going to give a lot of to teams problems, and they're going to make Phillip Rivers' life hell too. Uh, I don't know if he's going to love that. But even the Colts, for example, they just – they I mean they they traded for uh the Forrest Buckner. The guy you love so much his name is escaping me again, but the Forrest Buckner. Buckner. I mean you pair Clowney with Buckner, I mean come on. I mean that yeah, there's no flaw in that defense at that point. Uh it's it's crazy how some teams are interested and some teams aren't, but here we are with Jaden Clowney on the Titans, which should be noted. He spent the first few years of his career on Houston, their division rivals. Maybe he wanted to get back at the Texans a little bit here with this. Uh so he returns back to the AFC South. Yeah, I, I, I love watching the Titans defense. I'm telling you that right now. But, uh, you know, it is week one, so now we're getting some final roster cuts, final roster decisions met, uh, which means we got some teams saying who their starting quarterback is. And sometimes it's not surprising because there's no competition, and other times it is kind of surprising. We're going to start off with one that's not so surprising, but, you know, kind of expected. Uh, and the Patriots naming Cam Newton, their starting quarterback, over incumbent Jared Stidham, which everyone loved so much until the Cam Newton signing. Uh, reports out of Patriots camp say that they love Cam Newton. He's everything they could have ever wanted and more. He has taken on this leadership role, uh, and they could not have asked for a better signing in Cam Newton. So, uh, you know, what do you, uh, Cam Newton on the Patriots week one, not that surprising that. What do you expect from Cam? This is like a mixed bag because I, I dove into some of his numbers. I'm not overly impressed with his overall body of work. I feel like there's so many things out there. He's a career 59% completion percentage guy. And people will point to lack of weapons with the Panthers. But at what point do you shoulder that responsibility as well? I mean, he still had Devin Funchess, who I think is a very underrated wide receiver. I really like Funchess a lot. Um, And he had Steve Smith Sr. for a few years while he was down in Carolina. So to me, it just feels like, when do we stop with the excuses for Cam? Can he play? Yes. Is he going to change the Patriots' outlook? I, I don't know because we look at this team and we still kind of label them as six, seven, eight, nine, ten wins. If you ask me today how many games the Patriots are winning, I'm probably going to say nine to ten with Cam as their starting quarterback. It makes a lot of sense. He is – I mean, I don't even know why we entertain the thought of Jared Stidham, and especially – what did we expect the Patriots to say? Oh, Cam's a piece of trash. Why'd we sign him? You know, he, he wasn't going to be any good. You know, these teams come out with these statements. Of course, it's going to be a puff piece because it's the team. And you don't want to destroy your starting quarterback's confidence. But to me, it says a lot more what they think about Jared Stidham than what they think about Cam Newton. Because you go into that season, you go into this season with Jared Stidham, you might as well wave the white flag and, you know, you're tanking for Lawrence. To this, it tells me that Bill thinks he still has a Super Bowl championship roster. He's going to go with the better quarterback, who we all knew was Cam. Case closed. Yeah, I mean, he sold you everything he thought about Jared Stidham the day he signed Cam Newton, and it wasn't good, obviously. Um, You know, they still have Brian Hoyer on the roster, too. So, you know, Cam does get injured, which he is prone to do. I wouldn't be surprised if you see Hoyer in there at some point. Um, but, you know, I don't disagree with the, the, the completion percentage issues. He has accuracy, accuracy problems in general. He's always had that. But also, you know, he's still one of the most – he's one of the best playmaking quarterbacks in the NFL to this point. I mean, he's probably lost a step athletically because with the injuries, those are going to pile up. But I think what he doesn't bring 
with his arm, he brings with his legs. And I think Bill is, Bill Belichick's totally looking forward to utilizing Cam's mobility and having a running quarterback because Tom Brady never offered that element in the offense ever. Uh, he never once said, I'm going to go and make a defensive end miss and then run for four yards. Like that just didn't happen with Tom Brady. So I think Cam's just a different dynamic at quarterback. I obviously not nearly as efficient not nearly as a guy who's going to just run the playbook and, and run their system, you know, as is. But at the same time, if someone's going to elevate a guy like Cam Newton, I think it is Bill Belichick. I think he is going to be able to get the best out of Cam. I don't love their offensive weapons. They're going to be a heavy run team. And that's probably what they have to be. Uh, they're going to run Sonny Michelle. They're going to run James White. They're going to run Rex Burkhead. They're going to run Cam. And I think Bill Belichick might be looking at this like, this is going to be a great RPO offense. And then you still have Edelman. But other than that, I don't love any of their offense besides the guys I, I, I named. Their offensive line's still fine. Their defense's still fine. You know, this team's going to be in the mix, and they're going to give people problems. So uh, I'm a little bit more optimistic on Cam. But, you know, those are fair criticisms of him. So I'm really interested to see how it shakes out in New England with Cam. But not the only quarterback in the AFC East uh, named as a starting quarterback today. Ryan Fitzmagic. Fitzpatrick is back. Uh, he is being named the starting quarterback in Miami, which means Tua Tungavailoa. The number fifth overall pick in the NFL draft will be his backup. Uh, not the most shocking thing ever, but how soon do we see Tua as the starter in Miami? I think this is totally dependent on record, to be honest with you. If Fitz comes out there and wins, you know, the first three or four games, which I don't think is a possibility, but let's say he goes two and two. I don't think you see Tua until maybe week eight or nine or ten. They start off 0-4, I think you see Tua week five. I, I think they're going to slow play it because one, two is coming off that hip and you want to make sure he's hundred percent comfortable. in. <laughs> and we talked about this with Justin Herbert. You have to have some sort of buildup and without preseason games, what I think you'll see with some of these quarterback situations that are in flux, the chargers, um, the dolphins, I think Joe, Joe Burrow's day one starting. So I, I'm going to cross mm -hmm. that situation off the list, but you're going to see a slow build into these quarterbacks stepping in. You may see them come in for a series in the first week. Then you may see them come in for two series the next week, depending on how the situation yeah. is in week three, you may see them for a quarter. I just think you're going to see some of these quarterbacks slowly acclimate into the offense. Yeah. I, I give the giants a lot of uh, grief for a lot of the decisions that they made, but last year they, they rolled Eli Manning out there uh, to play. And, you know, week one against Dallas, they were down 28 in the fourth quarter. They threw Daniel Jones out there for a few series um, to get in some game action, but there was preseason. So you already kind of saw some stuff from him. And then it's the second game against the bills. They were pretty much getting smoked at the end of the game too. And they let him come back in week three. They decided it was time to start him. They didn't even bother giving him a quarter. They're just like, we're going to let you play. And it ended up being the right decision because Daniel Jones, you know, lit the world on fire in that game. So you're going to see a slow build with these guys. Tua, they say, is healthy. So I, I wonder if it's going to be sooner than later. But I, I can't wait to watch Tua. I, I mean, Miami's irrelevant to me until Tua is under center. So uh, not the most shocking thing, like you said. I, I think it's smart to ease these guys in. But it will also have to get them in sooner than later because this is part of their development. Uh, got another guy who needs to, needs to play, absolutely, because his development did not go well last year in Washington. Uh, Dwayne Haskins named the starting quarterback which isn't the most shocking thing to me, but, you know, some people were rumbling about Alex Smith potentially getting the play, which I don't know. You know, we've talked about how that's probably not the greatest idea, but Dwayne Haskins is getting the start here in Washington. Uh, I don't know what to expect from Dwayne Haskins. I just kind of hope for his sake that he, you know, looks like he understands the offense and is a little bit more mature this year, right? 
you have to find out what you have, first of all. I think that's the most important thing. Yeah. Last year, you saw a lot of discouraging signs, but then you saw a little bit of progress. If he doesn't take a step forward, and this is, I don't want to say this, this is not the make or break year for him, but you have to see something. I would consider this his like official rookie year in a sense where it's like, okay, you have to show us flashes, you know, consistently from a week to week basis. It doesn't have to be an entire game, but you got to see something. And if you don't see anything that stands out on film, you know, you're going to have to pull that parachute cord and, you know, go with, I'm I'm not sure if I'd go with Alex Smith, but I I would give Dwayne, the first 10 weeks, you know, because we all know this team's not very good. They lack offensive playmakers, except McClellan at wide receiver. But, man, if, if you don't start off good, Dwayne Haskins, this, you know, this might be it. Yeah, I mean, you know you're not going to be a competitive team in 2020, so you have to kind of let him go out there and struggle and, and just you want to make sure he's getting better each week. That's like the name of the game is that – you know, from week to week, you want to see that progress from him. They just released Adrian Peterson this past week. We didn't talk that talk about that in the news, but, you know, Peterson is gone, which means they must love Antonio Gibson and Bryce Love. These are young guys that are going to get an opportunity to play. Uh, I love the connection. The only thing I really love about Dwayne Haskins is the way he loves the, fo- the way he throws the football and his connection with Terry McLaurin because they both were Ohio State guys. They had a real thing at the end of the year. I want to see more of that. And I just want to see him go through his progressions and maybe not stare down Scary Terry the entire time. Uh, I want to see maybe use his mobility because we were told he had some, but he hasn't shown uh, that all that much yet. So, and I want to see some, some maturity here, be a leader. You need a quarterback. You need to be a leader. Um, he was very immature taking selfies at the end of games. Uh, it's not going to cut it. So, uh, you know, maybe that's just part of the culture there in Washington, which if we've talked about that too, might be part of, part of the problem, but uh, for Washington State, uh, for Washington's um, likelihood here, I hope he develops. And if not, then, you know, maybe we're looking at Trevor Lawrence uh, in that burgundy uh, and wine colored jerseys or the gold uh, they have over there. And then finally, Matt, and this is the main event for you, the Bears have a comp- uh, quarterback competition. They drafted Mitch Trubisky second overall three years ago, and they bring in a Super Bowl MVP in Nick Foles. And they announced that Mitch Trubisky has beaten Nick Foles for the starting quarterback job. I'm going to give you the floor here. Mitch, week one, let's hear it. To me, this is the least surprising thing that happened when the quarterbacks were announced. Once there was no preseason, I found it very difficult for Foles to beat out Trubisky. One, because Trubisky has more more of a relationship with Nagy than Foles does at this point. Nagy and Trubisky obviously know what plays they like and what to call. And Trubisky owns the Lions. I mean, last year he threw for over 500 yards and six touchdowns and one interception against the Lions. He has done a lot of damage to that Detroit Lions defense. And I don't expect it to change. The issue with Mitch is always his mechanics and his footwork. He has happy feet. He doesn't set. And he dips his shoulder when he tries to throw. They said he fixed those. I don't believe it. I think it's one of those situations where you look good in training camp. I need to see it in a game. And maybe if they would have had the four preseason games, you would have seen. I don't think Nick Foles is going to stand out, you know, just going through the motions. I think Nick Foles is at his best when shit hits the fan and everything's haywire, and he's the type of guy to come in there and save the day. What I see with this situation is 
you could not have started Foles and gone to Trubisky at that point. The confidence would have been gone. You would have never known what you had. I think this way, if you start Trubisky, you'll know. And then you can go to Foles, and then you don't have to worry about Trubisky because we know then you're done with him. You ride out with Foles. Personnel-wise, I think it was the only decision to go with because you didn't have the preseason games. And I wanted to touch on the compensation. Let's talk about the draft pick compensation. Everyone's, you know, a lot of people are saying, well, you traded a fourth pick for Foles. You know how many players start that are fourth-round picks in the NFL, Randy? Any idea? Just, just give me a number. What percentage of players play that are drafted in the fourth round? Uh, I would say 50%. 5% will start if they're drafted, uh, okay. if they're fourth-round players. So, okay. basically, you traded – at best, you get a backup quarterback in the fourth round. What pick was Stidham? He was in the fourth round, right? He was a fourth-round pick for the Patriots? Stidham, Stidham was a fourth – yep, Stidham was a fourth-rounder. So that's typically where you're going to look at getting a backup quarterback. The Bears got a backup quarterback in Nick Foles. Then you take a look at the backup quarterback situation. I couldn't think of a better backup in the NFL to have than Nick Foles at this point. He won a Super Bowl coming out for once. And I'll give Wentz a credit for getting that team a first round by the number one seed in the playoffs and continuing that trend. And then the next year when he had to take off, he had to take over for once again, he got the Eagles to the playoffs and he beat the Bears in a playoff game. And he should have beat the, or yeah, he should have beat the Saints that year, I believe, when they went into the second round. And it was just. Yeah, you had the Alshon Jeffrey draw. He dropped the ball in fourth down. It would have been a first down, yeah. I remember that. Yep. So, for for all the hate on what the Bears did here, I just – congratulations. You know, you, you want to pick at a corpse. Nick Foles is going to come into a situation with a great defense. That defense from day one is going to be better than any defense he played on in his entire career or that he played with. Offensively, you compare him to the Eagles situation. They had Alshon Jeffrey. I would take – um, Allen Robinson over Alshon Jeffrey. I think you would too, Randy, at that point. I really love yeah. Anthony Miller. So he's going to come into a nice situation with guys that can catch and make plays. Tight end position, we really need to see where Jimmy Graham and Cole Komet are at by the end of this. Maybe these two are really good. A lot of people are high on Cole Komet. Cole Komet had a really good camp for a rookie. You kind of saw the dips and lows that you see from a rookie, but you know what? Overall, I think he'll be fine. The running back situation, David Montgomery's out. You know, we'll have to see what they have there. I'm kind of iffy about that. But th th there is nothing wrong with this trade, and I have no issue with them starting Trubisky. If he struggled against the Lions, I would be concerned about it. But he owns the fucking Lions. I mean, he owns it. His entire career, he has over 1,500 passing yards against the Lions and 11 touchdowns to three interceptions. The fucking Lions are going to get smoked by Trubisky. Patricia had four times against Mitch. And Mitch has owned them every time. I don't buy it. The Lions are, are a joke. I'm interested to see what happens week two. But it slates out really well for Mitch, I think, at this point. I don't hate the trade because I, I ultimately I do think Dick Foles is a, is a good backup. He's probably a top three backup. Uh, I mean, off the top of my head, I would, I would say that Jameis is probably a better backup just because of the quality of talent. But, I mean – uh, I, I love Jameis. I, I'm biased towards Jameis. I, I have yet to see him as a Saint, so I don't know how well he's going to play. I like to think that Sean Payton will make him better, but I think that Nick Foles is probably the next name I think of on that list. I, I, I don't know who else I could say. Like Matt Moore came in and did a good job with the Chiefs, but I think that's more because it's the Chiefs than it is <laughs> anything else. Uh, I think if you're comparing like the situation that 
you want Nick Foles. You, so you have him for a three-year, $20 million deal with, with benefits is 24. So let's just say it's $8 million. Um, you know, you could so you made this trade or you could have signed Cam, and that's the comparison we're making right now basically, right? So Cam signed for one year less uh, for like a veteran's minimum on a $1 million deal. Would you rather have Nick Foles, which I understand, like I know you're trying to recreate magic. If, you know, Mitch struggles, you come, you bring in Nick Foles, maybe you, you catch lightning in a bottle and you, you make a run. Um, to me, Cam is a better option at this point, strictly because it's a one-year deal. And, you know, the potential of if Cam's playing at an elite level, what he can do for your team. Uh, I know you love Nick Foles, but this is the comparison we talked about the other day. You still stick, stick with Foles in that spot, right? Yeah, because I don't trust Cam Newton's ability to move the chains in an offense that requires you to be precision, to be precise with the pass. I mean, Cam Newton makes some boneheaded decisions. He'll throw interceptions. I don't think the locker room needs a guy. And I, I don't know Cam's off-field stuff as much as I probably should, but I don't see that bonding and galvanizing of a team that I see with Foles when he did in Philadelphia. I mean, there were players that didn't want Foles to leave. They wanted Wentz to go before they wanted Foles to go. And I think that says a lot about a guy. And for the most part, everywhere that Foles went, everyone has loved him. He, and I I think the other part of this, and, you know, I'll wrap up with this. I think you had to go Foles for three reasons. First reason is you have to know at this point, just, you have to kick the tires one last time on Mitch. You know, he, he was the number two overall pick. You signed Cam, every expectations on Cam to start. You can't go to Trubisky to start. And if Cam struggles and he's not good, how do you go back to Mitch at that point? Number two, you, you needed a guy that could help Mitch in the quarterback room grow. And I know people are like, why are we giving Mitch another chance? Like I said with number one, it's, and number two overall pick, you have to see what he has. And I think Foles can help him understand the quarterback position, maybe more so than Chase Daniel. And number three, you cannot go into next season or this season with a guy like Chase Daniel. People want to complain about the money. We know what Chase Daniel is. He can come in and spot, you know, for a, a game and probably win a game for you. But then you can't trust him to go out and win games. He's just not that quarterback. I've seen Chase lose games. It was against the Giants. Chase Daniel started after Mitch got hurt. He threw his first pass of the game, pick six to Alec Ogletree to the Giants. And against the Raiders as well, when he had to play the Raiders last year in London, it just wasn't good. So I already know I don't need to see Chase Daniel. This situation needed a backup quarterback. I'd like Nick Foles for all those reasons. Yeah, I'm okay with them starting Mitch and seeing what you have because if you, if like you said, if you start Nick Foles, it sends a message to Mitch that we don't believe in you. And if something happens to Foles like it did last year, and you have to bring in Mitch, you know his confidence is shot, and you know it's kind of a lost cause from the beginning. Whereas if Mitch comes in, plays well the first few games, and then starts to fade out, uh, you can make that decision a little bit easier. The fan base will be okay with that. I think they'll be more accepting of it for sure. Uh, as far as Nick Foles goes, I, I, I think a lot of that is like the Philly situation. I think a lot of those guys he played with for a long time. Uh, and I mean, that Philly team caught so insanely hot that I don't even still understand how that happened. And he had the one year under Chip Kelly where he threw for 27 touchdowns and only like two picks. And that was great. But Nick Foles has always been, you know, kind of a backup quarterback and average sort of guy. I don't think I've ever thought of him as a top 10 player in the league. I, I mean, 
at his best, I mean, he got insanely hot in the playoffs and helped the team win a championship. And that's great. I'm, I'm happy that Nick Foles got to do that. And he got a, he's a legend in that city forever because of that. But I don't, I don't, I just want there to be an expectation. I don't want there to be an expectation of Nick Foles that he's something that he's not. No. I don't know if Nick, I don't know if Nick Foles is going to be this guy that comes in and it's automatically like, all right, Bears, we're here now. We're going to make the run at the Super Bowl because he literally did that one time and he played well for another season. But he's done that. He made that one run time, one time, played well for another season, and then another season nine years ago. So I, I just think there should be some sort of expectations to be tempered here for Chicago. Well, I, th- I think th- here's the point that I've made all offseason. The Bears won eight games last year, okay, a- eight and eight, for, for better or for worse. And you take a look at how they won those eight games. Akeem Hicks got hurt. I think it was against the Saints or – no, he came back for the Saints. I can't remember what game he got hurt. But basically his elbow was dislocated. He was never the same. He basically missed all year. And I don't think people realize how important Akeem Hicks was. It's not that we're betting on Nick Foles being this top 10 quarterback in the NFL to make a Super Bowl run. No, make no mistake about it. This team is built on its defense. That's why Khalil Mack is getting paid massive amounts of money, while Akeem Hicks is getting paid massive amounts of money, why Robert Quinn's getting paid massive amounts of money, why Eddie Jackson's getting paid a lot of money, Kyle Fuller's getting paid a lot of money. That's why they drafted Jalen Johnson. That's why they they signed Tayshaun Gibson. I mean, Roquan Smith, Danny Trevathan. I mean, the list goes on and on on the defensive depth of this team and how good and how better they are at every level defensively than any other team. There's no defense in this league that's better at all three levels than the Chicago Bears. That's how this team has to win. And what they need is consistent, competent quarterback play. They don't need the quarterback in Trubisky that threw a late inning interception and that stumbled against the Packers. They need a quarterback that can move the chains competently, hit the open guy, hand the ball off to the running back. When Mitch got Mitch would go in these phases that you would see, and you're just like, why the fuck are you doing that? And they just need a guy with experience that can manage the offense. This team needs a game manager at the quarterback position, not a guy that will lose them games. Mitch had a couple of late drives, fourth quarter comebacks. They lost to the Chargers on a field goal missed by Eddie Pinero. And if people brought to me that they're more concerned about the field goal kicking, which I think doesn't get talked about enough with this team, I'm more concerned about the fucking kicker than I am about the quarterback position at this point because I still don't trust Pinero. And and that's how teams defensively, and that's the bugaboo with me, that's how great defensive teams lose games because they have a field goal kicker that can't make late game winning kicks. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, your argument is certainly logical, and I, I accept it. And I think you know, you have, you have a point there. But I hope, for your sake, that you know, Mitch develops into a guy who you can get consistent play out of. Because I think if you find yourself, uh, you know, rooting for Nick Foles halfway through the year, you know, maybe something happens to your GM as well. Because that Mitch Trubisky pick is gonna look, you're gonna look back on that and you know think of it as, as a huge oh. disaster if you don't already. I mean, I mean, you want to talk about Kevin White, Leonard Floyd, Mitch yeah. Trubisky. I mean, God help us yeah. if Roquan Smith doesn't turn out. I, I'm <laughs> all for it. Like, either this situation turns out great, the Bears make the playoffs, possible Super Bowl run, or whatever, sign me up for that. But if this thing fails, I, I, I have a hard time believing Pace, Nagy, and Trubisky come back. I, I think all three could very well be gone. And at that point, you know, you have everything that you need at that point. Like, okay, you, you gave – Mitch enough time you gave pace more than enough time mm-hmm. and you gave Nagy enough time to be this offensive genius and none of these past two seasons 
when they went 12 and four, that wasn't offensive driven. I mean, they scored a crap load of defensive touchdowns and a crap load of special teams touchdowns. So by no means am I putting my eggs in the Ryan Pace, Matt Nagy, Mitch Trubisky <laughs> basket if this season doesn't result in a playoff berth. A lot weighing in the balance in Chicago, Matt. Uh, we'll see how that shakes out. Uh, but I think it's time, you know, that we talk about some games here. And I'm so excited for this. Uh, it has been the longest year for a lot of us for, for a variety of reasons. Um, and these two teams don't have any quarterback issues. So uh, I love this game for a, a kickoff. This game happened in the AFC Divisional Round. If you remember, the Texans jumped out to a 24 nothing lead on the Chiefs in Arrowhead. And then uh, Bill O'Brien decides to go for it on fourth down, and it completely changed the momentum of the game. And the Chiefs would go on to score seven consecutive touchdowns in the, one of the most ridiculous offensive onslaughts that I can ever remember. Ended up dropping a 51 spot on the Texans' head. I watched this game on a plane to Disney World. Uh, it's amazing that you could even think that you did something as fun as going to Disney World in 2020, but it happened. <laughs> it was so long ago at this point, but um, – you know, Matt, I just want to get your thoughts on, uh, you know, everything leading up to this year and how happy you are to get football back uh, before we get into the matchups themselves. You know, every year, like when that week one comes, it brings me back to my playing days because that first game of the season where you actually get to play, you know, you get those goosebumps, little butterflies in the stomach, but then you get that rush of adrenaline. And you're just like, man, I am so ready for this. And I am at that point. I am so damn ready to watch some football Thursday night. And I think it's going to be one of those situations where we are not going to be disappointed by the Chiefs, maybe by the Texans, but man, <laughs> I cannot wait to watch some fucking football. Yeah, I can't wait to, you know, turn on the TV on Thursday and it's Alan Chris and Chris does the slide in, which maybe won't even happen because of everything going on. Maybe they'll get rid of the slide in, but you know, for our, our sake, well, that would be great. Um, you know, there's going to be fans. It's just going to be less fans, but you know, there's still be, you'll still hear crowd noises and stuff. So they already did the ring ceremony for Kansas city. Obviously they are the defending champs. They already got their rings. Patrick Mahomes then proposed to his girlfriend, giving her a ring. It was a beautiful thing. Um, nobody's having a better year than the Kansas city chiefs. And I'm so happy that we are here and getting to talk about actual football. So Matt, it's been a pleasure to do this with you all off season, but let it, let's get, let's, let's get into this here. Because the first thing I want to talk about is the quarterback matchup. We broke down Sean Watson, obviously earlier in the show, um, obviously signing his contract. We talked about Patrick Mahomes months ago when he signed his record breaking contract. These are the top two highest paid quarterbacks in the league and deservedly. So uh, the NFL very much smart to book these two against each other in our opening uh, the opening game here. What do you expect from these two guys here on Thursday night? I fully expect Patrick Mahomes to light him up. I mean, I don't see any way that he doesn't throw for four touchdowns this game. I mean, you take a look at Patrick Mahomes' opening days. I mean, against the Jags last year, he absolutely decimated the Jaguars. And I think the Jaguars had a better defense last year coming into week one than what the Texans have this year coming into week one. I just think when Mahomes gets on fire, there is nothing anybody can do to put that out. Like, as soon as you give them that little spark, it's an avalanche. The 49ers saw it. They controlled him in the first half. But when he got going, man, he just got going and started letting it rip. And it was boom, 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 boom. Chiefs get their Super Bowl. The Texans, like we talked about, I just I don't know if they have the playmakers on offense to have to keep up with the scoring against the Chiefs. I don't know. But both quarterbacks are going to be entertaining. 
Yeah, I just love the Chiefs setup for, for Patrick Mahomes so much that, you know, barring some sort of lapse in uh, intensity, like in the playoff game, um, you know, this is going to be a, a jump out to an early lead situation for Kansas City. Um, but I expect, you know, the Texans to come out and play too. I think that, you know, we, we totally uh, underestimate just teams' uh, desire to be out there and play right now. I think everyone's been through so much that, uh, you know, Houston's going to come out and they're going to they're gonna try. And, you know, I, I mean, despite Bill O'Brien's uh, ineptitude to me, they're going to come out, they're going to be competitive. Yeah, I could see a situation where the Chiefs jump out to a two-touchdown lead. You know, Houston comes back, scores a touchdown. You know, I, I think this game will feel out of reach, but the score will be closer than what we think it is. Um, but you know, both of these QBs, I'm, I'm totally looking forward to them playing. I want to see Deshaun Watson without Deshaun, uh, without DeAndre Hopkins is what I want to see, because I mean, DeAndre Hopkins obviously is a guy who can help you extend plays. He's a, he adjusts to your, your, your scrambling quarterback so well. I want to see if Will Fuller can do that. I want to see if Brandon Cooks can do that. They're going to throw, you know, Randall Cobb out there and Kenny Stills out there and Kiki Cutie out there. You have a plethora of guys who are just, eh, but to me, it's going to be a, the Will Fuller and Brandon Cooks show. And they believe it or not, like this, they're going to shove David Johnson down our throats. They are going to absolutely run David Johnson because they have to run David Johnson. You do not trade DeAndre Hopkins for David Johnson and not try your hardest to make David Johnson work. David Johnson himself said, you know, he wants to have a thousand rushing yards, a thousand receiving yards. I'll believe it when I see it, but you know for damn sure he's going to be a guy who's going to command the ball. So uh, you're going to see a lot of David Johnson. I don't know how he's even going to look. I haven't heard anything about how well he looks if he's injured or how, you know, how good he looks. So uh, I'm kind of intrigued, but I don't have high expectations. Um, so looking forward to this, this quarterback matchup, but I want to see what, you know, now I want to pick your brain a little bit before we get into this, this game here. What are some other matchups that you're looking forward to? Uh, I definitely want to see uh, D Ford and Chris Johnson against that Texans offensive line. I think that's going to be a long day for them. And Tyron Matthew just floating around the secondary. You know, when I take a look at the Texans defense, I mean, can J.J. Watt still get home? Can he still make yeah. impact plays? I think that's going to be a huge matchup against that Chiefs offensive line. But then I take a look at the mismatches. Travis Kelsey, who, who's going to guard Travis Kelsey? Who's going to guard yeah. Tyreek Hill? Who's going to guard Sammy Watkins? I mean, Claire Edwards Hilaire, you know, mm -hmm. I, I think, you know, we're going to dust that off and see how good he is. And maybe I'll finally know his real, his correct name, but. Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Okay. All right. So that, the, those are matchups. And when I take a look at this game, I just, I, I don't see it. And even if the Texans get out to an early lead, which I think is the most probable situation, uh, you know, than the Chiefs jumping out. I don't know once the Chiefs get hot, like we saw in the AFC game, the AFC playoff game, that this this avalanche is just going to come. And I don't know. I don't see the Texans being competitive in this game. I just don't – I can't see it. Yeah, it's hard because you, you think we just think the world of the Chiefs. I mean, we've talked about how much we love them so much that it's it's hard to see a flawed team like the Texans competing with them. But this is why we play football, right? I mean, you never really know. J.J. Uh, Watt and Whitney Merciless are, are obviously veteran guys who still have a lot of talent. I do want to see what J.J. Watt has left. Um, but the Chiefs' offensive line is no joke. I mean, it's not going to be easy to get pressure. I mean, Mitchell Schwartz is one of the best offensive linemen in the league. He's probably going to be matched up, I, I would assume, on Watt. But, I mean, Merciless is probably the better player at this point, so we'll see, you know, where he is. Um, 
as far as Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, I want to see how effective he is. I, they, they've talked so much about how he is the most perfect fit and he's everything they could have ever wanted him to be. And without Damian Williams, like he's the guy, he's the feature back, he's got great hands. Um, so you're going to see a lot of, uh, you know, Bernardrick McKinney on him, Zach Cunningham on him. Can those guys keep up with him? I want to know. I don't think so. <laughs> I have a hard time believing that. Um, and I just want to point out the secondary for the Texans that are going to have to match up with Tyreek Hill and uh, Demarcus Robinson and, and Sammy Watkins and all these other guys who we talk about, Travis Kelsey. It's Gary on Conley. It's Eric Murray. It's Justin Reed. It's Bradley Roby and Lonnie Johnson, Vernon Hargraves. It's a lot of guys who are going to have bad nights on Thursday, I think. So uh, I, that to me is uh, going to be the biggest thing is that you talked about how Pat Mahomes put it on the Jaguars in week one last year. He still missed throws in that game. I mean, he had, they won, they put up a 40 spot and he put it through a no look to Kelsey, where if he just threw it to Kelsey, it would have been another touchdown. So, I mean, Patrick Mahomes gets a little too cocky for his own good sometimes, but he's still insane. So uh, I can't fault him at the end of the day. So um I, I, that's some of the things I'm looking forward to. I, I don't necessarily think that the the Texans have a mismatch uh, on offense with the with the Chiefs defense. I think I don't love the Chiefs linebackers. So if you want to say David Johnson, if David Johnson is prime David Johnson, then I think he could cause some issues for their linebacking core. But I don't know, you know, what David Johnson is going to look like. So um, I want to ask you a question before we get in our predictions, Matt. Is do you think the limited fans will have a negative impact on the Chiefs? I kind of think that it won't matter, but I wanted to get your thoughts on that. No, I, I think at the end of the day, and anybody that's played football, is when you get to when you actually play the game, everything else is out. Like you don't pay attention to the environment or anything like that. You just focus on your job and what you have to do. So I don't believe it'll have any impact on the game itself. Maybe for the fans, for us watching, but not for the players. Yeah. I mean, Kansas City is one of those places that like breaks the sound record every other week, right? I mean, they, I mean, they, I feel like they do have an impact a little bit, but. Um, I, I don't think necessarily it's going to affect the players as much, but uh, I'll just say some, uh, I just want to get some of the gambling lines out of the way here for those of you degenerates out there. Uh, the Chiefs are favored by nine and a half. Uh, do you think they'll ultimately cover that? Uh, you think they'll cover? Yeah. Yeah. They'll cover. Yeah. Uh, so uh, the, the over-under is 54. I think Kansas City could get that on their own. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, overall predictions, I think the, the Chiefs are going to end up winning this game, and they're going to win, I'm going to say, you know, 44 to 27. I'm going to go 60 to 17. Jesus. <laughs> that would be interesting, which is a very opposite from uh, your Bears and Packers uh, opening game last year uh, for the 100th yeah. season kickoff, which was a 10 to 3 game that nearly put me to sleep and made me hate football immediately, which <laughs> I loved it. It was a defensive struggle. Everything that I love about football was encapsulated in that game, except for fucking Trubisky thrown for 45 fucking times. <laughs> Definitely a different game. One of the oldest rivalries. So it's going to be a different sort of uh, a game to kick off the year this year. All right. So, uh, so totally looking forward to that. Um, and we're going to break down all the rest of the games for this week. Uh, on Friday, we're going to be live in football life on Friday at eight o'clock. We're going to break down all the rest of the games. We're going to review Chiefs, Texans, break down all the games, and we're going to go through our, our predictions for season-long awards, uh, and we'll break down our um, you know Super Bowl winners and go through all that too. So you're not going to want to miss that. Um, but we have some fantasy updates here, Matt. Uh, we finally have some figured out. We had enough people. You're going to run a 12-team league, and I'm going to run a 10-team league, and we'll continue to give you guys updates each week on that. 
Matt, talk to me a little bit about the 12-teamer and when your draft is. All right, so the 12-teamer, um, our draft is tomorrow, my birthday, at 5.15 Arizona time. So not exactly thrilled by that, but too many scheduling conflicts, so you got to make it work. Um, we did decide that we're doing a half-point PPR. So passing touchdowns are worth six points, not the standard four. Mm -hmm. So it'll kind of even things out a little bit. I was kind of surprised Lamar Jackson's the number one rated score from last season going into this season. So I'll be interested to see where if a person with the first pick takes Lamar Jackson, because that is going to determine a lot of things. And then we are spotting the home playoff team four points. Let's make the regular season worth something, damn it. So oh, look at you. Yep. So if you earn that playoff berth and you have a good record, you will be rewarded. I love that. I love how much thought you put into that because I just kind of made it and made it ESPN standard scoring, which is PPR uh, in a 10 team league. <laughs> so, uh, you know, by the time you're listening to this, your draft will probably be complete. Uh, my draft will be Wednesday at seven o'clock. Uh, you know, the 10 guys in there. I love the, the group of guys we have because it's a mix of people I know and people I don't know people I talk to on a regular basis and people I have never met or even talked to in our group. So I'm looking forward to seeing how that shakes out. Um, already looks like people are super invested and, you know, we got some homers in my group. So, you know, you're going to see some guys taken when they shouldn't be just because they're fans of that team. Um, but, you know, this is the, the best time of the year as far as I'm concerned. This is, you know, the first week of September still, this is prime fantasy football season, Matt. And I promised you and the viewers that I'd show off my hardware here. It is a replica of the Vince Lombardi trophy that I won as part of winning my league's fantasy football championship, which is a 14 team PPR Superflex league. And uh, yeah, uh, my name on the trophy there says Big Trust, good after named after Lamar Jackson. And uh, it's the first time I ever won a fantasy football trophy. I'm pretty stoked about it. This is uh, happily docked on my, my desk here, and it's not going away because I'm coming for it again. Uh, I love playing fantasy football, and I made it all worth it. So I hope you guys enjoy playing fantasy at the end of the day. It's supposed to be for fun. Uh, I don't know how people go football seasons without playing it. I'm in six leagues this year, Matt. I don't know how many you are in. I forgot you said that maybe you're in three, but I have all drafts every day this week, and I cannot wait to get going here. So I'm looking forward to giving updates with you every week on this. Yeah, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I Like I said, the group of 12, you know, our 12 teams – I, th I think it's going to be a lot of fun because we have a mix of fans. We have an Arizona Cardinals fan. We have a Patriot fan. We have a few Bears fans. We have a Cowboy fan. We have a Giants fan. So it is going to be an interesting mix of people. And I think it will all be worth it when I stand atop the 12-man league <laughs> and I look down upon my loyal subjects and say, bow down. Obviously, that's probably not going to happen. I'll probably get my ass kicked every week because I'll stream my quarterbacks. But, you know, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, to the people that joined, thank you for joining. I think we're going to have a lot of fun. Um, I, I think as long as we keep the spirit of the league and everything goes well, we should rerun it next year, have like a solid good league, and then we'll go from there. But I am expecting a lot of fun. Yeah, it's a good point. Big shout out to everyone who showed interest and wanted this to happen. I, I know that a lot of people get like have interest but never have anything put together. So I'm glad we were able to get some guys together to, to do this season. Also, if you are part of the Money League with Henry, I want to get updates from Henry each week on the on the Serious League, which I'm not saying this isn't serious, but that's that's some big bucks on the line for that one. So hopefully Henry can give us some updates each week on that. I'm looking forward to that as well. Um, so, yeah, thank you guys so much for tuning into this. Be sure to check out Ball is Life tomorrow 
Uh, they're going to have to step back with Leon and Jacob. They're going to break down all the NBA playoffs uh, happening right now. Some great NBA playoffs happening right now. If you ask me, it's some, some great games. I love watching that. My Miami Heat prediction is making the rounds uh, that I made back at the very first episode of the step back when I claim that they can make a run in the Eastern Conference. And here we are. They're you know one game away from the Eastern Conference final. So feeling good about that prediction. And, uh, you know, Matt, you have any parting words for the audience? Yeah, check out Pod Jobbers on Thursday as well. Of course, we always try to have Jake Schwartz on the show, but we just continually run out of time for him. Maybe one day we'll have him on. And then don't do not miss one of my favorite podcasts. If you're into fantasy, fantasy baseball, total bases over in Baseball Life, John and Felipe do a really fun job. Like I said, I was the guest last week, but even when I'm not on the show, it's a great show. And then, like you said, Friday, Friday, we're going to review Chiefs-Texans. Is my 60 to 17 score correct, or are we going to see Randy's, what was it, Randy, 44-27? 44-27. Maybe Randy's right, but thank you, everyone, for all the well wishes. I appreciate all of you. Keep on tuning in, and there's a lot more content to come, and thank you, Randy. Yeah, I mean, Matt, look, we've been doing all these shows all off season. It's been an up and down year, a year unlike I can ever remember in my life. And, you know, hopefully it's unique in that it's the only year like this. So I'm just happy that we're here and there's football to talk about. And I'm looking forward to breaking down some games and talking about some actual football. And I'm looking forward to sitting down Sunday with a twisted tea in my hand and just watching football all day long. That's honestly, I, I need that in my life right now. So I'm, I cannot wait for Sunday, but I can't wait for Friday to talk about the game with you. Matt, I hope you have a wonderful birthday. I hope you're enjoying your, your another trip around the sun with you and your family, your beautiful kids and all of that. So, you know, for on behalf of myself and Matthew here on, uh, on the Audible, uh, thank you guys so much for tuning into our uh, audio platforms as well. If you haven't, check us out on Spotify, on iTunes, and on uh, Anchor. And if you're, having, if you're going to watch this on, on Facebook right now or YouTube, thank you so much for all the support, regardless of how you take us in here. So uh, my name is Randy Hammond. I'm your host, Matt, Matt Bushnell, my co-host. Thanks so much again for joining me. I hope you guys have a blessed week and we'll see you guys on Friday.